Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. and welcome to a special After Dark episode of our 200th edition of the Galactic uh, uh, Driftwood podcast. I guess not edition, but episode, right? Um, so same yeah, Same difference. Same difference, I suppose. So um, we have a, uh, a special treat uh, tonight um, to talk to everyone about. Um, it's um, a movie that was uh, filmed. 1980. <laughs> uh, it's an American science fantasy comedy film, although some of us might take issue with the comedy part. Uh, uh, oh, it was, no, 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 no. So, uh, some it was, well, I mean, it was intended to be comedy. How funny it was or not, that's that's what we'll get into here. But anyway, it was written and directed by William Sachs, shot on a very low budget. Uh, the film stars uh, 1980 Playboy Playmate of the Year Dorothy Stratton, um, who was murdered by her husband shortly after the film's release. And I thought it was due to him having watched it. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> sorry. But actually, no, uh, we'll get into that. Uh, but uh, it's got a number of uh, homages to. Uh, various science fiction mainstays like Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, and Alien. Uh, and it also pokes fun at the Western genre, uh, as well as uh, motorcycle clubs. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that also. Pokes fun uh, at everything. Now, interestingly enough, it did win the Audience Award at the 1983 Brussels International Festival of Fantasy Film. And... Uh, my understanding is it has a bit of a cult following, um, but uh, let's see. There's, uh, uh, interestingly, uh, towards the end of the film, there is a film within the film that's viewed by the characters in Ga Galaxina, and that is a clip from a 1960 Eastern Bloc sci-fi film called First Spaceship on Venus. Uh, the clip is used because first spaceship on Venus was a crown international picture when first released in the United States. And Galaxina, of course, is a crown international picture as well. So uh, without further ado, I guess we can get into it. Um, and maybe, I don't know, Seth, do you want to kind of walk us through the plot? And I'll throw some pictures up on the screen as you were, were we going to introduce ourselves? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Bill. Well, it's been 200 episodes. Yeah, yeah they should know us by now. But all right, I'm but Bill. If you don't. I'm Bill. I'm Linda. I'm Seth. <laughs> Jenna. 
And for some reason, it says Time King under my name. <laughs> like, like that's a coincidence with I you. Must have been playing with something. Anyway, uh, so let's get into it. A new, uh, there, there was a new option in StreamYard for choosing your title, and I have chosen one as well. Oh, Captain Butt. All right. I like it. <laughs> oh, boy. So make sure everybody can see that. Captain Butt. Captain Butt yeah, those was are... the uh, captain uh, in the uh, episode, mm -hmm. uh, played by Avery Schreiber. So anyway, so, uh, yeah, Seth, if you want to walk us through it, I'll throw some pics up on the screen. All right. So though Bill said comedy, I think uh, Jenna pointed out to me earlier that this is much more parody. Right. And if you like think about space balls, there's a lot there to compare it to. Uh, I'm not going to, it's not a good movie. We're not going to go there, but it might be bad. Good. In my opinion. Uh, so we, we start off with a star Wars esque uh, title scroll that lays out the basic plot of the film, kind of <laughs> like a fifth grade reading report on the movie. And we learn that uh, uh, international civilization is flourishing. And as it's flourished and we've explored, we needed, uh, we needed police in space. And so that's what our story is about. Uh, we've got a, or a galactic police vessel that is uh, in some ways ribbed for her pleasure and in others very much not. Uh, hey, fun fact. The ship is actually based off of a, a Jerusalem artichoke. I got the director went to to the grocery store and then came back and showed the guys who did the models. Hey, a ship should look like this. Oh, and no. All right. Now, like in the movie's defense, like I so I watched a very different version of this than everyone else apparently because I rented it on YouTube and that was the. I'm guessing ripped directly from VHS that they decided to put up. And the rest of you guys found it for free on YouTube through a channel called Film X that had a very good looking high definition version. Yeah, like 1080p resolution version. Yeah. So that ship looked like complete ass to me. <laughs> and, and now that I'm seeing a high definition version of it, they actually made a good model there. Like, yeah, so you were thinking the ship was used as uh, like a butt plug. I don't think of the butt plug, Bill. Uh, it's not there to the base, but <laughs> uh, so yeah, we join uh, the ship, the Infinity, and yeah. its crew of intrepid policemen, starting with a cowboy private who's dressed like a cowboy and likes the Dodgers for some reason. There aren't really uniforms in the space police, I don't think. Uh, Except for the one. <laughs> the sergeant behind him is aggressively doing crunches, and we will see him aggressively doing crunches through most of this movie, and he will be extremely sweaty through most of this movie. Also, 
there I didn't have him pegged as a main as main character. I had him pegged as dies early on. Uh, right. He was an asshole to everyone. But no, <laughs> this is the main love interest that we meet. And boy, is he a piece of work. And boy, is the private just oh the dumbest. Uh, yeah. I would have I would have loved to have him be a, a red shirt and get killed off early. No, I no, I'm, <laughs> I I I am I'm glad everyone lived because everyone brought something to this. I'm not saying what they the private necessarily, but <laughs> oh. all right. Anyway, so we they find a ship that they are suspicious of and want to pull over. They turn on the sirens and the sergeant points out that, of course, the ship isn't going to pull over because he can't hear their sirens in space. <laughs> and then they, uh, they basically get told uh, to mind their own business and then the captain shows up, uh, who is... And... I Idiot. mean, think kind of Dom DeLuise-type character... Like, the, the captain was legitimately funny. He was chewing the scenery and having a great time with it. Uh, He's one of the only ones that could really act. Yeah, so the captain was really well known at this time, the actor who played him, for com comedic commercials. Yeah. So it's like, it further emphasizes that this was supposed to be a parody because they brought this guy who actually has comedic timing and draw for... The, like everyone in America would have known who he was at the time. Yeah. yeah. And I think that brings a different kind of context when you understand that. Like this was way more Mel Brooks than uh, this was a Mel Brooksian production. Like uh, when I said it's com kind of comparable to Star Wars that or not Star Wars, but uh, you know, Spaceballs. That's oh, yeah. kind of what I was thinking, like, when we got into the scene that's on the screen right now. And we'll <laughs> get to that soon. Uh, anyway, so this, the captain is the goofball, and I was, the whole, this whole first, this whole movie, I'm like, guys, is this a porn? You have to tell me if I'm watching a porn. It's the law. Oh! <laughs> I mean, look at this scene. This scene right here, that's porn parody, right? That's a, that's yeah, you would never guess that these were people in space on a spaceship, uh, police officers on a spaceship, uh, right. ensuring the safety of the galaxy. Right. But, uh, With an android who's been given feelings for whatever reason, which I feel like guys would be the last person or last group to give space outpost droids feelings. Well, right. I, I want to come back to this scene because the sergeant, the guy in the bowl cut, uh, raises a really good question at this point. But uh, rewinding a little bit, uh, they get in a space fight or a, a little space battle with the guy who they were chasing, uh, and, and he's kind of in this weird Darth Vader mask. And they get their at their butts thoroughly kicked. And they're just like, oh, don't worry about it. He just didn't respect us and wanted to slow us down. We're not worth killing. <laughs> and... Don't want an intergalactic war. Yeah. 
Then we find out that they have a Rocky or prisoner on board who they abuse for laughs for a few minutes. And that wasn't really great. Uh, that's the, the robot guy that they were fighting. Oh, uh, can't rem Don't remember anyone's names because it doesn't he matter. Oric from Mordric. <laughs> Mork from Orc, basically. So yeah, no, it's a Mork and Mindy reference. Yeah, yeah, it, oh. it's another parody thing. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, but yeah, they lose to him. We find out they have a prisoner that they abuse. Uh, that's yep. the prisoner they abuse, a rock eater. Uh, and then we go to that. Like uh, we meet the rest of the crew, uh, who's. Uh, Guy with ears glue, ears and wings glued onto his uh, face and back, that and is. a racial racial stereotype that I don't feel we should show in this episode. Too late. That, that Chinese guy. Yeah. You you right. didn't find that just a little. Yeah, oh yeah, it was mm. not good. Mm. He's sick. all he does is uh, uh, quote Confucius. Yeah. 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 Speak in weird little rhymes that was. It's the eighties. Deepest way to do a Chinese character at the time. It's the eighties. <laughs> Who seems to have opium on board? Yeah. Oh no, seems to because in, in this part right here, he takes a big old drag off of it, and then doesn't exhale anything and goes solid stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's... I was being facetious. <laughs> no, I I kind of thought that they just didn't have the budget. <laughs> like, they were smoking plenty of joints, but <laughs> I don't know if they had the budget or expertise to make that thing work. Uh... Uh, so, yeah, then we get to the dinner scene uh, where they're, I think, served pills on plates. Yes! Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> oh, I'm stuffed. Dinner is uh, a pill. We sexually harassed Galaxina for a little while. That wasn't great. And then uh, the captain eats a eats an egg, a strange egg, a strange egg. But he which he, which he which he cracks open into a glass, and it just comes out in like glops. Yeah, oh. but he does raise a good point here when he's like. If we worried about where eggs came from, would any of us eat them? Uh, I suppose. And, you know, you bring up Spaceballs. Uh, this is predates Spaceballs by seven years. Spaceballs release was released in 1987. Yeah. So they were attempting to make a joke off the of aliens, kind of the same thing before then. Yep. Uh, so. so the alien pops out of his mouth. After he eats, after he drinks the egg juice, he starts having all these convulsions uh, because it's uh, not agreeing with him internally as this thing's growing into a uh, a baby lizard, I guess. And, and in this scene, in this scene, they're punching him in the gut, which forces the <laughs> alien to come up out of his mouth and land on the ground and dash off into the dark recesses of the ship. Slapstick. They had yeah. several bits in this scene that, like, the stuff with where they're there, uh, where the sergeant is uh, lusting after Galaxina is uncomfortable, but 
it's I mean nothing I haven't seen in a hundred animes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, it's a trope. We don't need to get into it. Uh, but uh, like the bit where they're kicking the crap out of him—that's solid slapstick. Yeah. And like the captain had a really good joke, or a couple really good jokes in this part. And the sergeant brings up a really good point. Like, they're talking about Galaxina and how it would just be wrong for anyone to even want to have sex with her since she's a robot. And the sergeant's like, uh, why would they make her that way then if we are uh, on a spaceship, everyone's a dude, and we haven't seen anyone in for years? <laughs> why did they make her like that then? And I'm yeah. just like, why indeed anyway uh so at uh, that's uh we go from here to uh the sergeant i think once again sexually harassing galaxina uh or no that might have been later either way they get uh then they get a call from uh space high command and the colonel orders them off to a planet to look for the blue star Ah! Very <laughs> Monty Python. Yeah, anytime anyone says the blue star for the rest of the show, Whoa! they will then go, oh, <laughs> and everyone will look up. And <laughs> Heavenly chorus, if you will. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're told that this trip will take them 27 years to make because uh, they don't have a hyperdrive. And when when the captain says, thank you, sir, for this great honor, he's like, it's not an honor. You are the closest ship. Bye. <laughs> right. And so uh, they're off to a night at the galaxy brothel with a whole bunch of weird aliens for a bunch of weird sex. And this was kind of their excuse to raid the costume <laughs> closet at whatever studio produced this. And for the makeup artist to go completely crazy. And yeah, if it weren't for the boobs in this scene and the last, this would be rated PG-13. If it weren't for the extremely uh, standard swearing, it would be rated PG. Uh, but uh, yeah, oh. I'm not sure we should be show. Well, I guess the movie showed this on, uh, yeah, on YouTube. So we're not for children. Uh, <laughs> this is but, an after dark episode. Well, yeah. everybody has boobs. I mean, it's not like we're showing people things they haven't seen. So yeah. the challenge was when they were editing this. Um, one day the studio would say make it R. And then the next day, the studio will come back and say make it PG. And then they'd come back the next day and say make it R again. So that, you can see the conflicts uh, in the editing because of where they were drawn back and forth without much help, you know? That makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah, this scene was definitely from an R-rated day. And, I mean, it's got... It's sex humor in the 80s. It's uh, it's what it is. We, we made a lot of comedies in the 80s that have not aged well. But uh, Galaxina is apparently watching this whole thing and 
liking it, I'm so, unsure. And and to give you uh, fairness to the <laughs> to the makeup artist, this was done by Christopher James Wallace, who's best known for the 1986's The Fly. Oh, like yeah, he he's actually done some great effects like Enemy Mine and Gremlins and Return of the Jedi and E. He was a make a model maker for E.T. the Extraterrestrial. The problem is, and the theme you see with this movie a lot, is that there was a lot of potential in the players, but the production company and the producers would come in and hamstring it. Mm. So, like, hey, do this thing, but we need you to do it in, like, 20 days. Oh. So they had to reuse stuff uh, and then rely on reusing stuff from other movies and then making up the gaps. Hmm. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it does feel kind of like a, a mixed production, but I mean, seeing the high def pictures, it had a whole lot more budget than I was assuming. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah. Oh, right. So, important thing to know, uh, when you touch, if you touch Galaxina, it shocks you, or burns you. I was on... I think it was a shock. Yeah. Shock. Because he was stunned after he got, after he touched her, kissed her. Yeah. So, no, absolutely nothing important happens at the, uh, at the brothel. Uh, and then they get to the ship and go into uh, cryo sleep. Uh, at which point we see our alien friend again as he comes in and uh, messes with the settings on the captain's cryo sleep because it recognizes him. And then when they Thank all wake you. up uh, 27 years later, he he looks like he's grown five years of hair. Uh, <laughs> five years of extremely curly hair, but it has... Also is arguably dumber now, which yeah. and during harder that time, to do, but it's still funny. Uh, nobody knows about the alien baby running around the spaceship yet. Uh, now, presumably fully grown. Uh, <laughs> and Galaxina has spent the last uh, 27 years uh, get, growing emotions and getting feelings for... Uh, uh, sexual harassment sergeant guy, um, Thor, and and teaching herself how to speak. Yeah, and apparently also making herself lingerie. As yes. you see in this scene, that yeah, was the, the first question. Half of the, first half of the show, uh, she couldn't speak, and in fact, she really hardly had an appearance at all in the first part of the show. Yeah, and she wasn't supposed to like they. Like, they make it clear that these robots are not for interaction with humans or anything in any way, shape, or form, so they don't speak, and you can't touch them. Uh, made no sense, and it makes less sense why something like that would have packed lingerie on the ship. Maybe she ordered it from the... Well, that she did, say, she did say towards the end that there was a catalog that um, she could order... Uh, parts from because he was asking we'll, about if you will get to fully we'll, we'll get to that yeah <laughs> so I'm sure that was something she could order and oh. get delivered <laughs> maybe 
I mean, this was a slow ship because it took them 27 years to get where they're going because they didn't have hyperlight travel like all of the newer ships. Yeah. They complained about. Yeah. Well, I mean, in 27 years, I was kind of just assuming she'd made it herself. She could have that amount of time. You've got a lot of time on your hands. I mean, if she hadn't been focused on being more uh, human, then she totally could have probably made it herself. So this is one of the scenes, like that scene where she like comes in and is like, just like lays it all out for Sergeant McHarassment Pants, uh, who was once again doing really sweaty crunches. Oh. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But uh, she, yeah, she comes in and I'm like, okay, this is the part of the porn where the sex happens. And then she just leaves after, and he's just like, "Mm." And here's why. They could have nudity from other actors, but because she was a playmate and they had not released her magazine yet, by contract, they could not show any nudity on her. Playboy nudity. Why make this scene then? It's why use her likeness in the movie? It's so confusing. It's it's, it's a trap. It's a trap, Seth. <clears throat> it's just confusing. Like they, it. This movie was made like it wanted to be a porn. Yeah, it would have been better as a porn. <laughs> I think it would. It would have been a perfect porn parody. Like, yeah. if they could have gone fully the way what they wanted with the movie and just, like, had it be beyond R, they wouldn't have had any of the confusing, like, PG stuff where they were trying to hold jokes back or whatnot. They could have gone all the way. Like, the bits that were parody were actually funny. This scene was crazy out of place. <laughs> okay. Uh, so... A dark helmet uh, comes and sneaks attacks them, and their ship has to crash land on the planet where they all get whiplash. So they have to send Galaxina out with fuzzy boots. Who knows why? And she found this is apparently an Earth penal colony where there aren't many humans. And here we can, like, there's the Batmobile, Bill. You pointed that out earlier. Yeah. Uh, Again, reusing stock because they had to, like, punch this out as quickly as possible. Well, why why the Batmobile? I just don't get it. Because we do this in, like, these uh, referential parodies. There are, uh, there will be little things sprinkled throughout. Just so that, like, the people watching can go, ooh, ooh, the thing, the thing, the thing. Like, if oh, we'd have been, go- if we'd gone to see this in the theater uh, in 1980, we would have all been like, ooh, the Batmobile. They got the Batmobile in there because we just got done watching Batman on TV. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, when you look at it like that, like, the Batmobile there makes a whole lot more sense because it was put there for fans, like, people they assumed would be going to see this movie. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, but it's a really... Uh, yeah, we go to the 
uh, the human restaurant. Uh, and oh. we can kind of see, like, you, the human restaurant isn't referring to the people who go there. Was the joke. <laughs> the it, yeah, it's the menu. Uh, and we, that, if, so the low quality version I watched, I legitimately could not read this menu. I had no idea what oh, was on here. The more you scroll down, there's definitely one that's like fruit of the womb. Yeah. Oh, I no. Under people pie, like Eskimos are not people. I know, right? Baked Alaskan. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, very, very bad. <laughs> I know. These are solid cannibal puns. Yes. But it's not cannibal because these are all aliens eating people here, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Poached legs on toast, stir fried innards. I mean, it's legit. I, I did laugh a little bit at the knuckle sandwich because. Yes. What I it mean, really was. <laughs> this is your type of humor, Bill. This is wordplay. Come right. on. These right. are puns, and they're actually good puns. Right. Like, Mel Brooks would have been happy to use this in any of his movies. Ground earlobe from people that keep their ear to the ground. No. <laughs> so, uh, Galaxina goes there, and she's looking for uh, some guy. having lady fingers, by the way. Did you notice this guy was eating lady fingers in your? Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so she's looking for a Mister Future who has the blue star. Oh. oh. And uh, it turns out he was eaten several weeks ago. Uh, oh. <laughs> missed it by that much. But uh, the blue star is still in his room, so she goes up there and fire. Uh, Finds the blue star in his room, and the robot bad guy's there. Uh, dark helmet, not TM. And he also <laughs> wants the blue star so that he can rule the galaxy somehow, maybe, whatever. Oh, don't oh. you got to talk about Spot, Mr. Spot. Mr. Spot, yeah. Spot, that's with a T, like. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, he kind of has like dog like ears, I guess. Yeah. I, mean, I think those are like Yoda ears almost. I think it was supposed to look like dog ears, so spot, spot. Uh, okay. So he's the first uh, Mog. Yeah. Yes. Half man, half dog. Right. He's his own mm. best friend. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so Dark Helmet's in the room. Uh, Galaxina, I think. Tricks slash seduces him. I was unclear, uh, but she she tricks him. She bonks him on the head. She takes the blue star, and then they have a show a high noon showdown outside. That was super weird. And then she gets kidnapped by a biker gang, which <laughs> are not making any more sense at this point. They worship the sun, Harley Davidson, which they have. One of they were all of our Earth's biker gangs were sent to this planet apparently, and they formed a cult <laughs> around and one motorcycle star. They will rule this planet. Uh, it was oh, wait, the galaxy. There's the motorcycle, and there they are dancing around it. Now, 
they did not look like they were having fun dancing in this scene. Uh, no. <laughs> but they have to stay hard, Seth. Stay hard. But uh, let's see. Galaxina is tied up there at the top of the water tower. And this is when the bumbling idiots from the ship uh, come <laughs> in to save her and drive off. Yeah, so yeah, they went through a whole costume change here that yeah. makes no sense. Right. And, oh, and they stole the, and they the, the biker's god, Harley Davidson. That she has to tell them how to drive because yeah. they're not used to combustion engines. Right. Oh. And they manage to. They get back to the ship uh, where they find uh, Lord Dark Helmet has taken over the ship because uh, he self-repaired or has a good mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's taken over the ship, has the blue star, locks them all in the uh, in the prison cell. same dungeon with the rock eater prisoner. These two start making out and the other people are getting high. And <laughs> real weird. And we find out uh, those two are talking and He's like, oh, if only we could have sex. And she's like, don't worry, I can order that part out of a catalog. And then they go back to making out some more. And then for some reason, he he stops and he's really sad. And he's like, oh, we can't have kids. And she's like, don't worry, we can order that out of a cat the same catalog. <laughs> like that. The joke made that right there. Like, I thought that was legitimately humorous. Come on, guys. Yes, Amazon. I think we mean Bamazon. <laughs> Bam. But, uh, so none of these guys are going to save the day. Uh, no. The kids, or the, uh, the captain's uh, alien. alien parasite has... has uh, snuck into Lord Dark Helmet's room and through a weird slapstick sequence gets in the captain's chair and then when Lord Dark Helmet goes to sit down again, literally bites his ass off. <laughs> and then short-circuits him. And that's the movie! Great! <laughs> yeah. So... Yes, I I feel like this was a cautionary tale to any filmmakers. So they were given 20 days to film this parody. And when they had to start shooting, LA had the worst weather that is seen in decades and they lost three days of filming to rain. Hmm. And basically like this common theme that I said keeps coming up, the producers came in and ripped random pages out of the script Supposedly, the the story is that these were story pages that had jokes and um, continuity uh, details to help with the continuity and pace. Yeah, buddy, yeah. And they were told, "Make it work. We'll fi fix it in the editing room." Yeah. Because we're not giving you those days back to film, so they had to film this in seventeen days. Um. And it's like, it's a cautionary tale. And I think there's one of many, like another one I think of is Knights of Bad Astem, which is a parody, a really well like concept parody of D&D &D and live action and stuff.
but the producers hamstringed it because they wanted to shorten it and said, make do because they were more worried about money than the vision. So if you get a chance to make a film, stick to your guns, even if you have to take out a loan, don't let them hamstring you because there's a good chance you probably have something great and the producers are going to fuck it up. Yep. Like there was, there was, this is definitely a bad movie. It's not a good movie, but there was potential. Yeah. There was a core of something there. They had like the guy who played the captain. He was genuinely funny at this. This was, they like, they had a good, good guy for this type of movie. And he might have even been in other uh, Mel Brooks films. Like, I swear yeah. he seems really familiar. He'd been in a number of movies. Yeah. 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 But, and, you know, uh, Chris, who unfortunately couldn't join us tonight, um, has watched it. And he said that uh, he would love to see a remake of Galaxina, a uh, modern remake of it with, you know, uh, appropriate parody type film. Sci-fi and porn. Type. Yeah, maybe and porn, yeah. I, he specifically mentioned the porn. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. But, it, here's what it's going to boil down to for my review. If you told me that I had er, we were going to watch a movie and it was either going to be Rebel Moon or this, I would windmill slam this so fast <laughs> it would boggle your mind. <laughs> like, they did in 17, they made a better movie in 17 days with random pages torn out of the script, <laughs> production interference, and all, all of this crap than Zack Schneider could do with all of Rebel Moon's budget and cast power. Mm-hmm. Like, and here's what's kind of cool, too. Like, as much as there's tropes, like sexual harassment tropes and everything, apparently it was a really good set. Like, Dorothy Stratton was really well taken care of. She enjoyed it. Uh, There was a big-time director who was making another movie that was supposed to start filming after this one, and he wanted her to not do it because he's like, you're going to... I want to be the one to to find you. I mean, ultimately, he becomes her lover when she starts filming the other film, but, like, she was like, no, I told them I would do this, and I'm, I'm all in. And she really gave it her all, and they had a great filming environment. He tried to, after her death, accuse it of being a toxic and terrible uh, set. But it wasn't the case at all. Like There was nothing but these really positive things that was said about her as an actress. Mm -hmm. And what they, like, making the lemons into lemonade, um, which kind of add to how sad it is of what happened to her. Yeah, and and we should probably maybe go into that a little bit. So after uh, we watched Galaxina, Linda and I both watched uh, Star 80, which was a movie made about uh, Dorothy Stratton's life. And um, it was actually quite interesting. Uh, It's a very uh, tragic uh, tale. Uh, Of course, she uh, ended up falling in love with the director on the next film that she was going to do. And uh, she had been married 
Um, and uh, to a foreign national who found her at a Dairy Queen when she was a teenager and was the one to convince her to start doing nudes and go to Hollywood. Yep. And yep. he used her as a pay ticket, like a pay, like a meal ticket, because she, he could not work with his visa. Yep. Yeah. And uh, his name was uh, Paul Schneider. And uh, he was. Uh, that he was pretty well known by uh, the police where they ended up living. Um, the police mm -hmm. considered him to be a pimp, actually. Um, he was so terrible. Like, that? here's the thing this goes back to how the Galaxina director and crew tried to protect Dorothy Stratton because they could see when he would show up on set every day, he froze her. Like, she was terrified. Right. Yeah. They found way to make sure he couldn't come on the set so she could do her job mm -hmm. like this guy was obviously an abuser who had tight reins on her yeah and uh um i thought uh it was pretty good casting they had uh, cliff robertson played hugh hefner oh, and I thought, uh, he did a really good job in yeah. the show and they did uh uh a great job. Eric uh, Roberts played uh, the part of Paul Schneider, which uh, was uh, Dorothy Stratton's uh, uh, husband in the movie. And um, they did a great job of painting him as being a real sleazeball. Uh, and he kept trying to worm his way into the, the Playboy Mansion, uh, even when he wasn't with Dorothy, even when she was away on filming. And uh, Hugh uh, Hefner finally put the word out that he was not allowed in he was such a such a sleazeball and um anyway she started uh in this movie she started working on this next film with this other director they kind of fell in love she decided she wanted to uh leave uh paul schneider and uh the uh, director reportedly told her you don't need to go see him again don't promise me you won't go see him again don't interact with him this can all be done remotely um, but um, he talked her into coming and she went to his house. And it was interesting because the movie was actually filmed in the very house where she was murdered. Which is awful. Like, yeah. why would you do that? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was weird. Um, you know, the murder scene, he, he uh, killed her, raped her. Uh, he had uh, like a a sex bondage chair that he tied her into and uh, there were obviously a lot of uh, bloody fingerprints on her body from her being in that chair and then it was she was dead for an hour before he took his own life he just killed himself too yeah so yeah they yeah. episode everyone <laughs> yeah. apparently from the autopsy they they there's no telling if she was raped before or after her death Right. And it's just one more example in Hollywood, unfortunately, one of many where women, you know, were became famous while attached to these very toxic men, which is overused, I think. This was legitimately a terrible human being. Yeah. And when they try to get away, they're killed. Yeah. So uh, just a little uh, interesting tidbit for Star Trek fans. Uh, if you look at the cast of Star 80 uh, down on the bottom row there, uh, third in from the left, you'll Robert, know, Robert Picardo played uh, 
the doctor on Star Trek Voyager, and uh, he was in this movie. Poor guy. Um, younger, but still bald. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> he played an interviewer for a newspaper. So when she was going on um, a lot of her press junkets after she got announced as uh, Playboy Playmate, uh, he was one of the interviewers um, at one of the events. So, so that was kind of fun uh, seeing uh, seeing a, a familiar face uh, in a role that we don't usually uh, associate with him. Uh but yeah, so, uh, and when she was killed, uh, so the director that she um, was romantically involved with at the time uh, was uh, Peter Bogdanovich, which people uh, will probably recognize the name from uh, uh, Sopranos. He was in the Sopranos. Um, but anyway, he was uh, completely distraught when he found out that that happened. And um, interestingly, um, a number of years later, he ended up uh, marrying um, his uh, his uh, Playboy lover's sister. Yeah. So as soon as she died, he started paying for the sister to get yeah. private schooling and all of these special lessons and blah, blah. She's seven years younger than what her sister was. And then like marries her. The marriage only lasts 13 years. Like. This guy was obsessed and he even went out of his way to write a biography that claimed uh, Hefner raped her. Uh, well, he couldn't say that explicitly because Hefner was going to go after him for, um, you know, making crap up. And so he had to say seduced her. And then that's where he also claimed that she was abused on the set of the Galaxina, uh, specifically citing the scene where she was tied up and the director and the cast came back and said, no, like we had someone who was standing behind there holding the rope. And every time there was a break in the scene, we let it go. We let her rest. Like we were very considerate. like concerned and considerate of Dorothy because we all loved her. She was amazing. Mm -hmm. So that book was an absolute failure and like kind of muddied his name to Hollywood good yeah so yeah so it was uh it was uh, an interesting movie to watch i'd never never seen it or even uh, heard of it until started looking for something uh, for review for our 200th episode and i'm like galaxy how have i never heard of this and so i'm like well let's let's watch this and then i was like huh maybe i should pick something else as as we're about 15 to 20 minutes in i'm like Ugh. uh but yeah it was, uh, it was 15 to 20 minutes in is when i actually got into it a little bit yeah, yeah that's where it finally started coming around a little bit it was uh, said it's a parody and i'm like oh okay yeah and so uh anyway uh i was curious uh we we were uh chatting with each other on our discord channel about the movie and and uh, Jenna and uh, Stu, which you guys uh, that are frequent viewers of the show will probably uh, remember Stu Burns. We have him on uh, periodically um, to chat with us. But uh, they were talking about the, the background story of all this, uh, Dorothy Stratton's life, which I wasn't familiar with either. And uh, so I started looking into it and I'm like, oh, man, there's some movie about this. Let's watch the movie. So we did. And, uh, it was it was very interesting, quite Quite a tragic uh, tale for sure. Yeah. So, Another reason 
start drinking. Uh, you know, you start with God and Lexine, you're like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, let's lubricate this. And then you get to the biography and you're like, this is even worse. No. Yeah, right. I watched Galaxy and it's stone cold sober. And <laughs> now, now that I'm drunk, I'm like, no, that was fun. I do that again. <laughs> here's here's the thing. Like, it, it was the one of the first movies, and I think this is where it should be appreciated in sci-fi history to really try and look at like aliens and Star Trek and Star Wars and these are such big films. Let's Let's laugh about it yeah. because, they, like, Spaceballs didn't come out till 1987, and they compared it to like Barbarella was like yeah. it was supposed to be like Barbarella. So, yeah. mm -hmm. but Barbarella, I thought was much better. I mean, granted, not maybe maybe not much better, but I think but Barbarella I probably had a much better production. Than yeah, this one did. Much more money, and I think. And it, I think if this one had had a good production, we would have gotten a much more coherent and funny movie. Yeah, probably. But but look how long ago Barbarella happened before this. That was 1968. So yeah. it had been a hot minute yeah. since yeah, sci-fi parody. And not one that would combine and, and on the successes of Alien, Star Wars, Star Trek. I mean... There was this whole new wave of sci-fi that was ripe for taking advantage of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair. So, I mean, th there, there were some scenes that definitely didn't work, and there were some scenes that were legitimately funny. Like, and that's why, like, I go back to the producers, the company worried about money is what really hamstring mm -hmm. this, and now. It's like, if you want to make a movie, take advantage of the technology we have that you can really film some amazing quality stuff and just do it yourself. Do Make the film that you want to make to the level that you think is great for you because there's a good chance you have a better understanding of what your audience wants than these a-holes worried about bean counting and, and do something awesome. Right. That's that's the that's the seed of hope I take from this for, for our audience. Like it sounds model, like Jenna wants to make a movie. The, ah. the model work on Galaxina is now that I can see those high def pictures is actually really impressive for yeah. the time. I yeah. assumed like from my low def version of what I could see that it was extremely low budget, but yeah. someone took some real time talent oh, yes. and care in making that. Yeah, it looks like, pretty good. Like, if it weren't shaped like a dick, uh, it could go on any sci-fi show and be pretty respectable as a model with a little bit better background effects. But, I mean, once again, I think now, like, looking at it like this, mm -hmm. the background effects were exactly what they wanted. They wanted low-quality cheesy to go, yeah. like, Combine yeah. with that. Yep. Like yep. when I was watching it in low def, I was very unimpressed. Mm -hmm. Watching it in high def, I think I might be a little more impressed because of the craft on display. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like some of that, like some of that '80s humor probably hit a whole lot better in the '80s. Now I'm wondering what uh, what versions uh, Chris watched. <laughs> oh. Well. Hopefully he watched the free version. Yeah, hopefully the same version I did. 
Yeah. Right. But uh, well, yeah, I just, I, I definitely think if you want to say you love sci-fi and sci-fi cinematic history, it is something worth exploring when you consider where it fits in the timeline, like versus Barbarella versus Spaceballs. Yeah, yeah, like it, there was not a lot of parodies out and this, yeah. like when you look at the argument, let us make a sci-fi parody film. The context was right for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Uh, get, uh, Spaceballs in no way uh, copies off of the movie, but you yeah. can definitely see like the, the, the concept of Spaceballs there. Like yeah. it's got kind of that heart of Spaceballs of poking fun at uh, at the sci-fi tropes of the time and the good ones that had come before it. Mm -hmm. Does it do it anywhere near as good as Spaceballs? No. no. But I mean it's I, I'm. I would watch. I would willingly watch this again, and I would. I would want to be nice and drunk while doing it because I think that would enhance the enjoyment. I don't think this is one to take too seriously. Enjoy, enjoy that, Seth. That might have been. The, that might have been Linda's and my problem because we watched it totally sober. Yeah, <laughs> too. But some of the jokes got me. Like, yeah, I love that old flapstick. I love Mel Brooks's movies uh, with uh, the physical humor and s those weird running puns. Uh, the thing where every time they said the blue star and went, was, yeah. it was getting old because uh, all, the, all the main cast characters just went with it. But then when the bad guy goes, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> and every time he's just like every time it happens after that he's like who's doing that <laughs> made the like that enhanced the joke and then they and then at the very end when they say the blue star and nothing happens and, and everyone's there. like <laughs> because here's the thing like, like holy three beats Monty Python and the Holy Grail is 1975. And even though it's not explicitly called out in the Wikipedia or whatever as a reference in this, like that's absolutely the Holy Hand Grenade and then the Holy Grail. They had that. So uh, like it's there. The, the really the tongue in cheek people who knew and understood comedy. Like, so yeah. I would have loved to have seen what those pages were that were ripped out. Yeah, yeah that'd be interesting. Yeah, in my oh. notes, when I was ragging on it, in the beginning especially, I didn't, I had thought that I was kind of watching a more, something that wanted to be more serious, and that might be because of the confused production that it took yeah. a, a while, and Jenna just going, dude, it's a parody, for me to go, oh, it's a parody, and then I started looking at different things differently, yeah. and uh, things, more of the jokes started landing, uh, the costumes went from being cheap to at least being silly intentionally. <laughs> in the so, uh, like, in the brothel, the one uh, the one uh, little exchange I liked was at the end when they're leaving, and uh, Madam Kitty says to Captain Butt, <laughs> "Next time you pass my house, I'll appreciate it." And he says, "You know, I've had a wonderful time, but it wasn't tonight." <laughs> <laughs> there was some solid wordplay. 
yeah. in this movie. Like, right. if you're paying attention, so there there is some subtle like jokes. There's more obvious jokes, but they had some good jokes in here. Yeah, and yeah, some of that 1960s, 1980s uh, sexual humor does not age well, uh, but some of it still does. Like, I legitimately enjoyed the scene where they were beating the crap out of the captain. I thought that was yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can actually go out and find uh, a, a number of the quotes uh, out on the internet from the movie. They've got movie that movie's quotes, and they've even got some from uh, the, uh, the Asian um guy that uh was in the i guess was it the engine room smoking yeah or, uh, yeah yeah sam woe i guess was the character's name so oh yeah the... but yeah if you're interested in some of his uh uh confucius like sayings um, you can find those yeah oh they had him actually quoting actual confucius oh apparently oh sure well, this one said uh uh this there's one quote he says Robot woman like clock, pretty face, pretty hands, pretty movement, but hard to regulate when she get out of order. <laughs> Obviously, that's not. But still. Obviously, not a Confucius quote. Confucius, yeah. Confucius was ahead of his time. Yes, surprisingly so. Right. Also, aliens did visit us back in the past, so he probably talked to them. Right. right. So uh, we would definitely say, uh, I mean, if we were to go around this room, I would say it's worth watching with a bunch of your friends, slightly under the influence uh, of or your choice. Or heavily. Or heavily. Uh, just to just to really experience the context of 1980s sci-fi. Yeah. And you have to keep in mind that it is 1980s. Right. You really got to in some parts. So much cocaine, I'm sure. <laughs> but don't. But that said, don't expect a Star Wars type of quality. No, set your expectations low, like real low, really low, and then let yourself be a little impressed. Right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What? Are you gonna say something else? No. All right. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Well. I uh, hope you enjoyed our uh, 200th uh, episode special. can't believe we've done 200 of these guys. That's amazing. Yeah. I they mean, it seems like it's, it's, it's always a fun time discussing these movies with you guys. So hopefully we'll uh, have another 200 under our belt before we'll, we'll get together. And maybe we'll do another Galaxina watch for our 400th episode. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, episode yeah. 400, Galaxina 2. <laughs> there you go. The remake. So you're saying Chris is going to remake that film? I I'm ready for that. My go. body is ready. There yeah, we go. We got, start, we got to get Chris start pushing for it online. Okay. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next time. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.